Yes, indeed. We are back in, and it's great to be back in for another edition of the Nation's College Basketball Show and Podcast for February. It is College Basketball Coast to Coast. I am the somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host, rested up and ready to go for another week, breaking down the march to march, the mayhem that's coming, and then eventually... After the NCAA basketball tournament whittles down to four teams, we'll be in Houston for the final four. Anxious to talk about all of that straight ahead from bloggingthebracket.com and the SB Nation family of sites. I love me some Chris Daubertine. He is here with his latest bracket release out on Tuesday and what we have to look forward to, especially uh, midweek and as the week unfolds. I'm anxious to talk with Chris about all of that. He's got a new number one overall seed. He's got a new team that has now found their way into the tournament that was kind of on the bubble before. So we're going to talk about all of those things with him uh, and the field of 68 coming up in uh, just a moment. In a little bit, noted University of Miami apologist Ari Russell, who frequents this podcast, this show. Ari's been my wingman for the better part of about 20 years on Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio, TuneIn, etc. Ari, a graduate of the U and the U absolutely freight training Duke on Monday night in Coral Gables. So Ari's going to be riding high about that. I want to talk to him about the Miami win, maybe some comparisons to some previous Miami teams and success. Ari, also based in New York, has covered the Big East tournament for the better part of about 20 years, uh, including for us here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. So we'll talk some Big East, some Seton Hall, some Marquette, some Xavier. Uh, What's wrong with Villanova? We'll do all of that with Ari later in the show. But without further delay, and by the way, thank you for finding us here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, however you found us, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on TuneIn, the live channel, etc., We're here all the way through March, all the way through the Final Four on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Now, now, without further delay, hello to Chris Dobertine, Mr. BloggingTheBracket.com. Good to have you back aboard as we get another week underway. Your new bracket out, projecting the field of 68 and slots and seeds. It's out on Tuesday as uh, we release this show and this podcast, so good to have you back. I keep joking. Thank you. The more that we watch, Chris, it seems like the less we know and the less we understand about this 2023 season. As an opening comment, would you agree with that? The more we watch, what what do we really know right now? I uh, absolutely would agree, and I think that this is kind of going to be the wave of the future, especially with the transfer portal and you know rosters changing so much more than they have in the past um you're going to have a p- potentially you know early in the season you're going to have a lot of teams that are still getting used to each other that's going to lead to a lot more questionable losses that end up being quad 3 or quad 4 as the year goes on yeah um, and and that's going to really kind of impact you know the seating picture and this is something that we really kind of have to adjust to you know over the next this year and then i think of the seasons beyond that Well, and then to the point, you get into conference play, and if you're in a conference like the Big 12, you might take five losses and still be a really good team just because of how good that league is. Then you get in another league, and five or six losses is death. You're not even in the NCAA tournament because uh, you couldn't beat some of those teams that are below, let's say, 50 in the net ranking or they're in quad two uh, for losses. It, It could greatly hurt you. So we know that. Uh, We also know it's very difficult to win on the road. One more comment, then we're going to get to your bracket. I mean, we saw Kansas (laughs) go to Iowa State, not be able to win. Uh, I'm going to leave something out here, but help me. Purdue at Indiana Saturday, not be able to win. Gonzaga Gonzaga at St. Mary's, not be able to win. Did I leave something out right now uh, from this weekend? 
Um, and, and even uh, Duke at Miami on Monday night. Good luck. Texas yeah. at Kansas on Monday night. Good luck. It is yeah. tough to win on the road in conference play against a really good team, right? That is indeed correct. And I, and you, you know, Florida's another team that had an opportunity on Saturday going to Kentucky after having beaten, you know, Tennessee at home midweek. You know, they play fairly well, can't get enough stops, lose that game. And now they're forced, you know, to ho- one of the games, you know, that's kind of really important this week. You know, they travel to Alabama on Wednesday. And, you know, Alabama's another one of those teams that's just completely different at home on the road. So, you know, Florida needs that game, but probably isn't going to get it just because of the strength of the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. I keep joking, and I, I know you lean Gator way. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, who did they anger to play the Big 12 SEC challenge at Kansas State? Follow that up with Tennessee at home, follow that up with at Kentucky, follow that up with at Alabama right in a row. They made somebody mad. Yeah. I don't I don't know who, but they made somebody mad. <laughs> they did. Well, especially man. when you look at especially when you look at the games before and the games yeah. afterward, you yeah. know, it would have been nice to spread those games a little bit out. You know, a I little would, more, I would agree. Yeah, you know, a little more out. I would agree uh, with that. All right, you've got a new number one overall seed. Who is no. it and why? Mm-hmm. Or a new number one? Who well, is it and why? New number one. Yeah, Purdue's still number one overall, despite what happened on Saturday. But Arizona is now the fourth number one seed, replacing Tennessee. Again, Tennessee, you know, one of those teams that we really, you know, struggle to kind of understand. You know, they have great wins over Kansas in the battle for Atlantis. You know, they beat they hammered Texas at home. You know, they beat Maryland on a neutral floor, but they've also, they still lost to Colorado. They lost to Kentucky at home. So, you know, they follow up that loss at Florida with, you know, a close, too close for comfort win against Auburn. Hey, hey can and we stop right there? Say, What's your take on that call at the end of the game? Game on the line, Auburn shooting a three to potentially, uh, what, win the game, right? They lost by two, or was it to yeah. tie the game? Either way. Well, it was a tie. Well, uh, please. Tie. You got to call that. You got to call that, Chris. Yes. That's the shooter. Yep. We decided a yep. national title with Virginia and Auburn, by the way, on an Auburn yep. foul of a three-point shooter and three made free throws by Kyle Guy uh, because I was there in Minnesota for that. Yep. You got you to call that in the final second on the shooter, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely, you do. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. So again, Tennessee drops out, Arizona back in. What are the other two that you have? You have Houston there, or what else do you have number one on the Houston, new bracket? Yeah, out? yeah, yeah. So Purdue number one, Alabama number two, Houston number three. So again, <laughs> they really struggled with Temple for about yeah. you know thirty minutes on Sunday, and that would have been a very interesting case had they lost that game because also that would have put Temple into first place into a first place tie but they'd have the head they would have had the edge on the head to head having won both those games don't have to worry about that for now so houston's there at number three and then arizona is fourth um though arizona they have some they have again really good wins their losses they have one quad three loss to washington state a team that's under 500 they lost to at home but you compare that to tennessee and you know losing to kentucky and colorado and yeah, the, the strength of Arizona's wins really kind of pushed them ahead at this point. Well, and again, we're going to talk a lot about ACC and Big East with Ari Russell uh, in a little bit. So we might as well stick in that Arizona plays at Cal 
on Thursday night as we release this podcast. And then they have, yeah. what, Stanford on the weekend, right there in the Northern yeah. California swing, Stanford on Saturday night. So Cal Stanford, uh, the two games coming up for Arizona later in the week. You've got a new team that has emerged into the field. It is a Big 12 team. Tell me more about that, Chris. Yeah, at this point, Oklahoma State, you know, they took care of the road bedlam game, you know, at midweek. That knocked Oklahoma out. Of course, Oklahoma went, you know, and lost to West Virginia afterwards. So now they're they're not even in the first eight out group right now. Ooh. Um, Ooh. The Sooners. Yeah, yeah, one game over 500. So the margins are so thin, you know, near the cut line. But, yeah, if you're one game over 500, you're going to be all the way down. You know, at spot nine, spot 10, somewhere down there. Um, so Oklahoma State is, you know, they're back in the field. Um, they've kind of been up and down this year, just kind of like everybody else on the bubble. Um, but, you know, they're six and eight against quad one and two. They got four quad one wins. The worst loss is Southern Illinois at home by a point, which is a quad three loss. But that's a Southern Illinois team that's competing in the Missouri Valley. You know, for that title, that's another conference that's kind of all over the place. And, and they've got really good metrics, especially predictive metrics. You know, 36 in the net, but they're, you know, ranging on the top 30 in BPI, Ken Palm and Sagarin. So, you know, they're in pretty good shape. In fact, they're in and they're, you know, they're not even in the first four spot. They're actually, you know, in the main field without having to play the extra game. Interesting. Oklahoma State will have Texas Tech midweek on Wednesday as we get rocking in the Big 12. They'll play Iowa State at Iowa State uh, on the weekend. At the moment, do you have in your bracket, do you have right now of those 10 Big 12 teams, do you have eight of them? Do you have nine of them that are there right now? Probably Texas Tech's the exception, and maybe you just said Oklahoma. You have eight right now in your field? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Texas Tech is yeah, Texas Tech is basically done at this point. There, I had them just outside of the auto bid only group on Friday when I had my first bubble update. They will be in the auto bid only group, you know, this Friday coming up. And Oklahoma, you know, they just need to, you know, win a couple more games, I think, um, because you know their metrics are are okay. They have some quality wins, but they they just need to be a little more consistent. Which again asking a lot this season for a lot of these bubble teams they're in a league they're playing baylor oklahoma playing baylor midweek they're in a league where you can win a couple of games that really matter for your resume i mean the alabama game obviously really matters even though that's a home game uh that matters but you got a chance to win a couple of games here that can really put them back in the conversation the sooners that we're talking about i love the conversation with chris dobertine uh, he's with us for just a couple of more minutes. He's got a role. So do we on college basketball, coast to coast. Follow him, by the way, at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Also bloggingthebracket.com. We love his insight on the bracket right now. The last four in that are playing in Dayton, as far as Mr. Dobertine is concerned, it's all subject to change. Who are the last four in right now on yours? Arkansas, Boise State. North Carolina mm. and Penn State. Interesting. And for North Carolina, again, the loss at home to Pitt did not look great, especially couldn't score against Duke on uh, Saturday. Got work to do, but, you know, uh, they turned it on a year ago. We're going to talk more with Ari Russell about that. They turned it on a year ago in mid-February they, and, and, and rolled on. I don't know if you can go to that well again, Chris, if you're North Carolina. but 
They are one and seven in quad one games, and mm. their quad and their lone victory is against Ohio State, who was somehow forty second in the net despite being eleven and twelve. Yeah, it's it's so, bad. Their their strength of schedule is good, but their wins. What are your wins? So you're right on North Carolina. Who are the last four out at the moment? Who do you have as the last four out subject to change? Wisconsin, Texas A and M, Florida. And Memphis. Oh, my Tigers, who took the loss to Tulane, that which yeah. is a sweep. Uh, is the American Conference a one-bid league unless maybe Memphis? Uh, I'm talking about somebody would have to win the automatic bid besides Houston unless Memphis gets like one of the Houston games or maybe has to win a couple of the Houston games. Is the American staring at a one-bid league unless somebody sneaks the automatic bid besides Houston right now? Uh, I think so, unless Memphis can, as you said, you know, get one of those wins against Houston or even both of them. I think if they beat Houston twice and they close the regular season at FedEx forum on the Sunday before selection Sunday, you know, I think if they can do that, they will definitely be able to sneak in. All right. We'll find out. But right now they're part of the first four out again. This man is blogging the bracket. He does this all college basketball season. We really rev it up with him in January and now into February blogging the bracket dot com and tell them more about what you have later in the week as we release here Tuesday and for midweek later in the week again. Explain what you have on Friday and setting the table for the weekend and the games to watch. Yeah, Friday, I'll have another bracket projection, which I didn't have last Friday because I was too busy getting the first bubble update and all that work together but now that that's together i can do a bubble update and a bracket on friday and that comes along with a look at what games are on deck per conference and which ones are the most interesting and most intriguing and leave out the ones that have nothing to do with anybody like vandy old miss last week <laughs> <laughs> yeah leave those out don't worry about those right now so that's coming up friday and then tuesday back to regular old bracket projection yeah, like uh, anybody against Louisville right now, they'll leave it out. Anybody against Cal right now, yeah, leave it yeah. out. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anybody against Georgetown, <laughs> <laughs> just take your pick yeah. on those. Uh, listen, I always love the insight. I appreciate it on College Basketball Coast to Coast. If you let me keep bothering you, we will keep doing so. Uh, Chris Dobertine, thank you. Absolutely, TJ. Thanks. And as promised, I love his insight, but especially when the U is rolling. I can say, because I can see him, the smile is ear-to-ear for Ari Russell off of a blowout win Monday night by the Miami Hurricanes over the Duke Blue Devils. I am disappointed you don't have any Canes stuff on. I can see you. You don't have any Canes orange, no hat, none of that. (laughs) <laughs> but it still was an impressive win. Hey, good to have you back on college basketball coast to coast. As I always joke, this is our time of the year. I got to come back oh, yeah. around to my man, Ari Russell, because you and I have done this once, twice, 83 times going on about 20 years. Now you and I have known mm-hmm. each other for a while. Good to be with you, my friend. Yeah, man. I am definitely happy on this Monday. That was a wire to wire win. The Canes just uh, really curb stomped Duke. Uh, I mean, Look, they had lost by two uh, about two weeks ago at Cameron, which was a game that I know that they took very personal. Miami has uh, three losses in conference on the road. They have four total, but three of those losses are all one possession losses, all on the road. At home, they're a different team. Um, And today they just, you know, Jordan Miller said after the game, he said the crowd really lifted us. But, I mean, they really put on a performance today. And 
I it just Duke's looked emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted from that big win in North Carolina. I think that played a big role. But look, Miami had a road game themselves against uh, a Clemson team that's you know was number one in the conference until until Saturday. So um, you know, so they also had the same amount of rest, um, maybe two hours less than than Duke did. Duke right. played at home though, mind you, and and Miami was on the road, so. Um, you know, but I do think that Duke North Carolina game is a little bit more of an emotional, you know, drain than a Clemson game kind of on the road against Miami. Uh, and Miami really just stepped on their necks from the opening tip, and it was just not a close game. And really, Duke just looked just, you know, look out of sorts, and, and Miami looked excellent, played their best game of the season. And I, I thought that uh, as the game wore on, you could see exactly what you were describing. Uh, Duke stopped chasing after <laughs> loose balls, stopped chasing, yeah. uh, you know, running back on defense when there were breakaway opportunities and fast break points. You know, the interesting thing, just real quick, and we won't overanalyze the box score, but if right. I had told you that Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack would be a combined six for 20 from the floor, a combined one for four from three-point range and score 16 points. How many is Duke winning by? Yet yet, yet Miami wins the game by 22 points. It says something for Jordan Miller and the others that they stepped up when those two great scorers didn't do a whole lot in the game, Ari, one more time. Well, I mean, that's the thing about this team is that it's very balanced. They share the ball a lot. They move the ball around a lot. Um, they got a bunch of guys that can really put the ball in the hoop. So even when Wong isn't having a good night, you know, I, to me, I really think the the most skilled player on the team is Jordan Miller. I mean, he's basically unguardable because he's a tall guard, like six six with long arms. A guy that really was stretching the floor. Look, they have two seven footers on. You know, tallest player in Miami starting lineup is six seven and no uh, no uh, no meter. Um, and you know, you have a guy like Miller who plays kind of that four guard because they run a four guard offense it's just tough to guard him because he can shoot the shot he can put the ball in the hoop he can go and he does everything assists rebounds plays great defense you know so Wong is kind of the guy that everyone was expecting to be possibly ACC player of the year he's still up in the, the, the look for that um and and pack the last two games in the second half in particular has been phenomenal that 17 point burst in five minutes against virginia tech was was a heck of a performance and then he also had a really strong second half and hit big shots against clemson as well today he didn't really do that though he did have a dunk follow-up where everyone's like he's five nine how did he do that he had five points but he was also facilitating look they're just a team that that really knows how to share the ball very balanced they're undersized but today i mean they really punched Duke in the mouth. And they're not a team that you're going to have physical. Josh Shire's got a lot of work to do. Now they play at Virginia, you know, another <laughs> team that's also very physical and very tough. I mean, this is a tough stretch for, for, for Duke, you know, for them getting that North Carolina game. That was a big win, but boy, they've got a, a tough road ahead after this Miami loss. They're going to have to pick themselves up quick. It's a great point on how tough Duke's schedule is. Virginia, by the way, plays NC state. As we release this podcast, that game will be a Tuesday night. Uh, we obviously don't know that result. Uh, that Miami team still has a bit of a gauntlet, too, uh, coming sort down of. the stretch of the season. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of off nights down the down the stretch. Miami, I'm just double-checking here, uh, on the weekend we'll have Louisville at yeah, home, that's... very winnable. But after that, for the Canes, who, again, are probably vying for one of the buys, that's realistic at the ACC tournament, probably not going to end up 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Miami right now, 10 and four going into the weekend. 10 wins ties you with Clemson. Uh, Virginia and Pitt playing midweek have nine wins. NC State has nine wins. But in any event, Miami, after the Louisville game, will play at North Carolina, then play Wake Forest, then at Virginia Tech, Florida State in a rematch, and then Pitt. And Pitt appears yeah. to be the real deal holy field here at this point uh, in the ACC. Uh, just one more because I, I love the nostalgia. They'll be yeah. pit. I'll, I'll tell you about that. The toughest game, right? The two toughest games are the uh, the road games against North Carolina and Virginia Tech. The rest of the game's not really too concerned about. Um, the pit game, look, they they lost a close one to to yep. pit in, in at the Oakland Zoo again. Just like Duke, like they're going to come back pissed in that game too. Looking, and that's going to be home again. Different team at home. They played terribly down the stretch in that pit game. I don't expect that to happen again. Uh, look, they split with NC State. They're in a good position right now after this win today and with Louisville coming up, um, you know, get getting by there. They should be pretty good to go. Uh, brilliant position again, like you said, to get that by. I like I like their chances. And we love Jim Laranega, uh, Coach yes. Coach L. Coach L had a Miami Hurricane team in the Sweet 16 in 2013. I'm playing your song, Ari Russell, as mm-hmm. he's with me on College Basketball. Coach goes, give me five bonus points for knowing Shane Larkin Shane Larkin and the two seed Miami got to the sweet 16 in -hmm. 2013. I'm not saying this team will be a two seed, but do they have sweet 16 potential here? Miami? Absolutely. I mean, they have elite eight potential and if they play the game that they played today, I think they have final four potential. I'm look, I'm a huge homer. Last year was the Mm -hmm. best season they had at least postseason. Uh, this team is just as good. Uh, I actually think they're a little better. I love Sam Wardenberg at the five last year. He stretched the floor. But uh, they really lack rebounding. This year, they're a much better rebounding team because Omir is one of the best front court players in the ACC, if not the country. And again, you're not pushing him around. Last year against Kansas, they got abused down low. Uh, you had an Omir type player down there in the post. They're not going to get pushed around against the Kansases anymore. Uh, no one's pushing around Omir in the paint. There's not a player that can do that other than maybe the Purdue, uh, you know, Zach Eady who's kind of just the seven, four guy that mm-hmm. is, is trouble all around, you know? So, um, but, but even then Omir is not going to let that guy push him around. He's going to struggle, but he's not going to let him push him around. I like their chances. Um, look, when they play and they move the ball around, like they did today, they can beat anybody and their defense is always going to be aggressive. They're very physical. So we'll see. You never know, you know, a mid-major come in or another team that, that, you know, may have struggled. They match up against the second round that comes in. Um, you know, was expected to be better and beats them and has a good shooting game. Miami doesn't shoot well. You know, the tournament is a one and done. So, you know, you never know. But I think they have the talent to make a similar run that they had last year, if not even go deeper. Uh, just one more on the ACC as a whole. Uh, yeah. You look at net rankings. You look at strength of schedule, et cetera. I don't know. They're probably going to get four in. They'll get uh, six. You, you think they're going to get as many as six, but I mean, four yeah. for sure out of Virginia, they're going to take Duke. They're going to take North Carolina. It's a committee. It's subjective. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to take Pitt. Mm-hmm. NC State is interesting. Miami is obviously in the mix. You're going to take Miami for sure. You're going to take Virginia for sure. Virginia's 15 in the net going into this week. You're going to take Duke because it's Duke. You're going to take North Carolina because it's North North Carolina. There's four. So then out of NC State, out of Clemson, out of Pitt, 
who gets a a fifth, a sixth spot out of the? You think the ACC could have six teams? Six or seven, yeah. Six or seven when it's all said yeah, and done. Absolutely, they're much better this year than they were last year. You know, Clemson has been a surprise team. They've had some huge wins, uh, and you know, Miami's locked. They're in. You know, I mean, they're ten and four already. I can't expect them to 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 not you know, win at least half their games the rest of the year. So, um, you know, Virginia's be, in Virginia's, Virginia's, in. Virginia's absolutely and, you know, in. And Miami also has wins. People forget, you know, against Providence and Rutgers and Providence and Rutgers right. are both pretty locked yep. in the tournament this year as well. Um, so I, I like, you know, again, like I think the ACC is going to get a lot more teams in this year than last year. A lot of people remember last year, they had three teams in the Elite Eight, you know, two teams in the Final Four. Everyone talked about they had a down year. This year, they thought it was going to be a similar down year. But teams like Clemson, teams like NC State, teams like Pittsburgh are playing much better than expected. It's a much tougher conference, at least in that middle that middle bracket. Not really as good down low. Georgia Tech, Louisville's having a, a, a absolute dreadful year, probably historically mm-hmm. bad year. You know, uh, Boston College is not that good. Syracuse is kind of struggling. Virginia Tech is 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 also having a tough year. And Florida State, boy, where do they go? Like, so you know, it's it's kind of top heavy. But I think a lot of those teams, like six or seven, to me, are pretty much pretty much going to make the tournament. Pitts Pitts win in Miami is a good look. You know, again, like you said, Duke and you, North Carolina, are definitely going to be in because they are Duke, North Carolina. But North Carolina is way on the bubble, in my opinion. But they were last year. Uh, and then they just, you know, where, what happened last year? They were, you know, right there. They to, won, to, they to the won two or <laughs> they won two or three large games at the end, and then yeah. did damage. I mean, Hubert Davis went from a legitimate conversation of is he overmatched? Could he be one and done? This was like early February, about this right. time a year ago. Yeah. To they make the tournament. They end Coach K's coaching career by beating him at Cameron in his final game. They end up getting into the NCAA tournament and making the final four and then ending Coach K's career for good. We were there in New Orleans, and we were joking at the final four. Is he going to get a contract extension, a raise, I know. Hubert Davis? That's how fickle this can be uh, when North Carolina turned it on. And, that's a, and look, that's the, look at uh, the interesting I mean, thing about it. Yeah. After tonight, you know, again, they had that huge win, you know, against, uh, you know, Carolina on Saturday, but then just get completely curb stomped tonight against Miami. Uh, you know, Shire, again, like we always say, following the legend is really hard. What Hubert Davis was able to do last year was remarkable. Following Coach K, another huge ordeal, um, you know, tough, especially now, like you're, you're talking about following a legend. And getting with the new landscape, it's different. Now it's just mostly freshmen. I mean, they don't have that much experience. So not only that, he's getting a new team with freshmen where Coach K had the experience as a coach in general to be able to make that adjustment, to be able to coach the freshmen. Um, Shire, you know, again, it's, he, he's struggling. He's got guys out there. Again, they were missing Whitehead tonight, who's one of their best players too. You know, again, they're still going to probably make the tournament. They are still Duke. They still have a lot of talent. They've got guys that are going to be in the NBA on that team. Filipowski is really a special player. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play tougher. They're going to have to play harder. And we said this about last year with UNC. I mean, they played soft and got punched in the mouth right around this time last year. Miami drilled UNC last year by 20-plus points, I think, as well. And they kind of turned it around after that. Is this the type of game where they're going to wake up Duke and turn around and, you know, beat Virginia or at least keep it tough against Virginia, put off a couple more wins? Again, it's Duke. They've got guys, you know. 
uh, what lively, I think was the number one uh, player in the country coming in, you know, so they've got, they got guys. Sure they do. They just, they and maybe, just they have round, to play and maybe they round into form late February again. Or in March, Duke, we'll see. All right, a few minutes left. Ari yeah. Russell with me. It's college basketball, coast to coast. Follow him at Ari Russell. I love his insight, in particular on the Big East. Ari's been in and around the Big East, New York, Washington, D.C. for the better part of probably 25 years covering the Big East tournament uh, nationally on our coverage with Fox Sports Radio, with Sirius XM. I've always had Ari on with me on TuneIn covering the Big East, been at the Big East tournament over and over again. Uh, very interesting at the top where Marquette, yeah. Looks really good. Providence looks really good. Big East probably going to get like five teams, maybe six, yeah. probably five for sure. Oh, yeah. Interesting. You're in the New York, New Jersey area and mm -hmm. and Seton Hall with Shaheen Holloway, former player. Obviously, the fairy tale story with St. Francis and the upsets last year, including Kentucky and then beating Purdue in the Sweet 16 game. So he comes back to his alma mater. They are right now. They look pretty good uh, metrically. To be, a, I mean, they're 53 in the net, but they've got a strong strength of schedule. Uh, I'm looking here. The, uh, the the strength of schedule is 30th. So, and that's a lot of that has to do with the Big East. They've played a good schedule. They've got some wins. I don't want to talk about the win over my Memphis Tigers on a neutral floor. Uh, they have a win over Rutgers, who you've mentioned in the bit in the Big Ten out of the conference, and now the Hall uh, shapes up here a little bit in Big East play. They've already gotten a nine wins in the Big East, Holloway's first year. They have Creighton midweek here. Mm -hmm. Interesting the job, and he comes back to his alma mater here. You talked about Hubert Davis. You got all the expectation on Shaheen Holloway. And one thing you know about them, they're going to guard you, which they do. They're going to play with intensity, and he's having some success right now. Uh, and we should say, too, Kevin Willard did not leave the situation with the covered bear, they they have been good the last couple of years. It's not yeah. like he inherited a bad program, Ari, but no. Seton Hall's doing well. No, they're doing well. Look, again, like kind of, I think a little bit lower. I think a lot of people expect because, like you said, Kevin Willard didn't leave them bare. Uh, maybe to do a little better, but uh, then, then they may have started. Um, you know, but the Big East, man, it's, 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 it's knock them out, drag them out. I mean, look, you know, he's coming in there and, and then you will have the Xavier, you know, Xavier again, Sean Miller comes back, mm -hmm. not a shock that he's coming back to Xavier and they're back to being Xavier, you know, and like Xavier is always a competitive team. And now you got Sean Miller back at Xavier. And, you know, that's really, you know, he's, that's a team that I'm not that surprised is at the top, you know, Creighton was coming in was a, I think a preseason top 10 team. They fell off a little bit, but they kind of came back. UConn had this start that was just a bat out of hell. You know, Dan Hurley really looking at them. I think like they they started fifteen and zero. They really slipped up a bit. They started getting some footing going again in the Big East. If I had told um, you in late yeah. December that UConn's going to be seven and six in the Big East, you would right. be saying to me, "How many guys that that, that get injured and that aren't playing?" Uh, yet, I think it's also a testament, obviously, to how tough the conference is. It's and it's so, very tough. And so top, there you go. Like, you've got, you know, again, and this feels like it's like this every single year, but you, you don't have a team that is overly dominant in that conference. But you have the teams, you know, you got Xavier, you've got uh, Marquette. Marquette, who's another team that was actually picked, I think, in the bottom of the conference mm -hmm. this year, like seventh or eighth. And now they're at the top, you know, or close to the top. Um you know, Marquette, 
You've got Providence, another team that lost a lot of guys from last year there, but but it's an Ed Cooley coach team. He's always going to have that team play really good. Another phenomenal coach. You know, obviously you've got UConn this year, Creighton, you've got, you know, Seton Hall. Those teams playing each other are going to beat the crap out of you. It's just old school, like even though it's newer teams that it's not the same Big East that it used to be back with Syracuse and Pitt mm-hmm. and, you know, Miami even in the uh, 90s. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is a new Big East, but they still kind of have that that tough, you know, those tough games in the middle there. Butler's really not that good this year. Georgetown is just absolutely disaster. Well, we, could, we could do right. a whole three but, you know, hours but, on that but Georgetown is a disaster, yet they led UConn with two minutes to go in the game on Sunday. So any given night. But right. I agree they're with you. They're not getting blown mess. out. Like they're, they're not mess. getting they're not getting blown out, but they're losing all their games pretty much. You know, only one conference game. All right. Win. So so yeah. we have Marquette UConn on Tuesday night at Big UConn one. in that matchup. And again, Marquette eleven and two in the conference right now. Xavier eleven and two. Marquette eleven and two. So that one will be interesting. Uh Cam Jones at sixteen a game leading Marquette. We'll yeah, see I how that you. let's see what let's we'll see what happens in that. The Wednesday night. Uh, again, is interesting in that Seton Hall hosts Creighton. Again, Creighton has been very good at home. Creighton nine and three. Seton Hall eight and five. That one on national TV. And I'm looking here. Providence Georgetown also on Wednesday. I think Xavier is off, if I'm not mistaken, until the weekend. I'm double checking on Xavier at Butler Friday night. That should be a win. Butler only three and ten in the conference. Xavier at eleven and two. So we kind of yeah. set the table for the rest of the week here in the big East, but it's also get back to us, get back to us in about two weeks and see what it looks like. Cause right now with Xavier and Marquette at 11 and two in two weeks, they might be like 12 and four or 12, you know, 12 and five in this conference. It's that tough. We'll no, see. It's, it's tough. And and then you also, you know, you have to consider a couple of things, you know, team that we didn't mention, you know, that is obviously first year, with um, without Jay Wright and Villanova, Villanova is the team that has dominated the conference, you know, both regular season and the and the tournament, uh, you know, over the last several years under Jay Wright. A team that's been the biggest disappointment by far has been St. John's. A lot of people expected St. John's to be a team, um, you know, to compete in the conference this year a lot more. They had some big transfers. It's not working out for, I think Mike Anderson is still there. Just, just If they don't That's make the correct. tournament, I don't think he's going to be there next year. They were catcalling. Um, they were catcalling the other night when they collapsed against Seton Hall. They had the lead yeah. in the second half, and there were people catcalling Mike Anderson, uh, you know, at the Carneseca Arena. And again, he's an outsider. He's a Nolan Richardson disciple. He played at Arkansas. He had a lot of success at UAB, at Arkansas, at Missouri, had all those teams in the NCAA tournament. But this is a different situation there when you're an outsider at St. John's and you're not winning. So we'll see. They are down. Georgetown's got to do something with Patrick Ewing. Uh, yeah, that's you know, a Patrick, wrap there. Just, uh, I mean, you're a D.C. guy, born, right. and, born and raised in D.C. Patrick Ewing is Georgetown basketball. But yeah. Ari, at this point, as we sit here in early February, he's got to do the right thing. He's got to take the pressure off of them and say, look, we tried it. Let's work something out with a buyout or with whatever. Let somebody else coach this thing. I'll lay yep. low for a year. I'll plug back in as an assistant in the NBA or something somewhere else. He's got to take the pressure off of them. He can't He can't continue to force the issue when they're this horrible that they're going to have to fire him. 
I mean, yeah. that's that's what the movement is. Do you not agree? What's your analysis on that with Ewing, just I, real quick? I mean, yeah, I think he does have to step down uh, just for the sake of the program um, because he can't be kept. And I know, look, it, it's, you know, we, they tried it out. It's just not working. You know, I don't know what the deal is. You know, I don't know if it's X's and O's. I think it's really hard in this 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 uh, day and age to recruit at Georgetown. They probably have some of the strongest uh, academic requirements out of any school at this level. I mean, it's not the look. People have won at Vanderbilt. You've seen winning at Stanford as well. Um, you know, Northwestern, another school. You know, Georgetown though is was notoriously tough, especially after you're done with freshman year. I mean, you know, there's the whole thing about um, you know Thompson. John Thompson was able to to really get those kids uh, to to end the, to hit the books and really had a program there doing it. But I don't think you can you know do that in this day and age. I just think it's a different monster. Well, the, and the other so thing is they were a brand. You know this. You know this. Yeah. They were a brand in the D.C. area, in the New York area, in the Northeast, and unfortunately that day is gone. And they yeah. are right now a punching bag, and I, I don't know how he turns it around because he hasn't been able to get top-flight talent uh, in there. And, uh, you know, you're talking about they made they made the NCAA tournament by winning the Big East tournament two years ago, as you know, in 2021, where they had a losing record, and they put it together yep. over about a 72-hour period and won three games and made the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, this – this in theory, and they still finished with a losing record when they lost their first round NCAA tournament game. This is three straight years where it's regressed. They were awful last year. They're awful again this year. I just don't know. Here's the other thing, and this is sad, and we're getting old. The current players don't relate to John Thompson and Patrick Ewing and Georgetown of the 80s. They have no idea about any of that. It doesn't mean anything to no, them. That's another, that's another component to this. Right, look, I mean, you know, John Thompson, when he was alive, I mean, was a giant, you know, I, he, even when he had retired, and his son took, well, first it was Craig Escherich for a year right. or so. And then, and then John, cause his son was coaching at uh, Princeton, I believe that, you know, during that, that, that time. Um, and so he got hired back and John Thompson, the third had success, but always lurking, always there, not lurking, but always John Thompson was at every single game. I went to so many games at Georgetown, you know, at the uh, MCI center, whatever that phone company. Owns. Now but, I think it's now the Capital One, and it was okay, right? It was the Verizon, the and it was Verizon, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, so whatever it is, but uh, went to so many games there. Uh, before that, I even went to the games they used to play at the Cap Center. Mm -hmm. I've never really been to McDonough Arena, which is the small, the small arena. I think where the women play mostly, but um, but. It, he was just there all the time and you know he's in the press room after the after the games and everything like that you know uh ewing was the connection to that you know after john thompson the mm third -hmm. was let go everyone was like well ewing was always looking to be he was a assistant coach for years in the nba and everyone's like okay well his, he never was given the opportunity to coach in the nba so then finally georgetown opens up and everyone's like this is a slam dunk you know but it's time for them to move on. And I said this last year, too, on this show, you know, yep. same thing. Uh, it's unfortunate it's time to move on. But now it's really time to move on. And I really just hope they might need to move on from kind of the shadow of John Thompson, unfortunately, and kind of rebrand it and figure out a new way, a new direction of the program. I, I know it's and I don't it's, know if that's possible. It's sad. But I mean, when you talk about those Ewing teams, but even moving forward where he had uh, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, and they were still yeah. Final Four worthy, Elite Eight worthy. 
all of that is 30 plus years ago, yeah. 35 years ago. It's the same thing. And I love these discussions with you, but you can't relate anything anymore to Bobby Knight and Indiana because Bobby Knight hasn't been roaming the sidelines at Indiana in 25 years. You can't right. relate anything anymore to John Wooden and UCLA. John Wooden hasn't been there in 40 years, now deceased. It, it doesn't relate anymore. You can hear stories about it and talk about it, but the, the present day kids, they don't, the players, they don't connect with any of that. And that's, no. that's one of the things that Georgetown was trying to still hold on to with Patrick Ewing. And it just has not worked. And I think we belabored that with this part. Listen, I could go on and on with you. I promise I will have you back. Yeah. Uh, you'll be in and around the big East. Again, it's going to be a knockdown drag out a week and finish the big East season. Is the Big East gonna the Big East gonna easily have five, I probably so. six teams in the yep. tournament Look, again, good, and and we'll see. Like honestly, like the, this is not a year for mid majors really to get multiple teams in um, at all because you got a couple conferences that are doing you know Big East is is solid. ACC is much tougher than it was last year. It's gonna have more teams in, and I mean the Big Twelve is there a team in that conference not gonna make it? You know, right. I mean. You know, they, but they, I mean, they, you lose one more finishing point. You look at the Big yeah. East. U- UConn is still seven in the net, despite all the losses in the conference. Right. Uh, Marquette is fourteen in the net. Right. Providence is thirty-six in that. Creighton is sixteen in the net. Xavier's twenty-four in the net. Those five teams are all in. They're all right in now. You know. So now the question is: Does some right? Does somebody else sneak with them with those five for a six team? And maybe it is Seton Hall. But that's not even sneaking. Like you know, they get a couple. Wins yeah. in the season, they're not going to sneak in. They're going to be a nine seed, an eight, nine seed, probably ten. They're not. They might not get any of the last four. I mean, right now, like Seton Hall is probably one of the last four in, last four out. But you know, they finish out strong. They can be in as a lock. You know, so it's again, you know, but they, I, they have five as a lock, possible six, unbelievable. But not, conf- but not shocking because it's been like that for years. In the strong conference, there is no doubt yep. uh, about that. And again, uh, midweek, that's Creighton, Seton Hall. Uh, on Wednesday night. Let's see what happens in that one at uh, the Prudential Center in Newark. Ari Russell, I always love the insight. We got plenty of Miami in, some ACC, some Big East. That's why we call it college basketball coast to coast. We go all over the place. Always good to be with you, my friend. Make sure uh, that uh, that you behave. Make sure those canes keep rolling along. And I look forward to getting you back aboard as the season unfolds here. March, March around the corner. February turns to March. Thank you, Ari. Thanks, TJ. So there we go. A busy show again, all the way back at the beginning. Mr. Blogging the Bracket, Chris Dobertine was with me. Uh, follow him, bloggingthebracket.com. Interesting on his last four in and his last four out. Again, all of this is subject to change because the winning and losing that goes on midweek and into this weekend will change a lot of it. And some teams will have a chance. I mean, obviously, if you're in conferences like the Big 12, like the Big 10 that are up at the top, you can help yourself in a matter of two games, depending on who you're playing with winning those and helping the resume. Because ultimately, that selection committee is looking at who did you play and who did you beat? And if you played a strong schedule and you beat several of them, you're at an advantage. If you're in the American Conference, as we mentioned, the who did you play goes down a couple of pegs. The same thing with the Atlantic 10, uh, for example, on who did you play? Uh, Conference USA 
uh, the Sunbound, who did you play? It's not the same as, as what a Big 12 or a Big 10 or an SEC is with all those loaded conferences, the Big East, especially as we were talking about with Ari. My thanks also to Ari Russell being with us. Again, follow Chris at Chris Dobbertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Follow Ari Russell at Ari Russell on social media. They were great to be with me. Follow us here at CBB Coast to Coast, the number two, CBB Coast to Coast on social media on Twitter. Find us again wherever you get podcasts on TuneIn as well. We are headed to the month of March. Still got February to go. Always love the insight from our guests. Lots of hoops to go on all through this week. We'll be right here all about it. Find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I'm merely TJ Reeves, and you've been with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast.